What's up, everyone? Welcome to the very first episode of Entry Level Podcast. My name's Will. And I'm Alex. And we're very excited to bring this series to you. We're going to be diving into a variety of professional fields from athletic directors to fundraisers to teachers to anything that you could think of if you have any suggestions or anyone that you would like us to interview that we haven't covered give us a follow give us a shout out and dm us any suggestions or any people that you'd like us to interview we're very open to all that on today's episode we're joined by joe forgetto he's a high school math science and engineering teacher and he also coaches track and football as well he also talks about his experience as a young teacher and goes and gives some great advice about how to adapt to a constantly changing teaching world. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Welcome to Entry Level. Today's show is going to be with the great coach, Joe Forgetto. Uh, my name's Will. We got Alex and Logan with us. And uh, Alex, let's get started with the first question. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, Coach. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, would love just to hear a little bit about you, kind of your your career, your professional journey, and uh, why you're in Marine City now. All right. Hey, I appreciate you guys having us. Uh, you know, um, you know, talking about teaching and coaching is a big deal. So uh, I grew up in the great UP. I uh, went to uh, Gwynn High School. And uh, from there, I ended up at uh, Michigan Tech University. Um, and, and again, you know, if you ask or wonder why I went there, I had a chance to play football. So any chance you get to play uh, Division II football and uh, study math, you know, was, was a great deal. Um, in all honesty, you know, I tried to get a teaching job in the UP, and uh, there weren't any. Otherwise, uh, you, you would have never met me. So um, you, nothing, nothing available in the UP. So I found a job at Croswell Lexington. Taught there for three years, and uh, things kind of weren't going the way that I wanted them to go in football and, and um, school. So I said, I want to be at a place that is one of the best schools in the area for football, and I applied at Marine City and got in. So nice. you were talking about you went to Michigan Tech because you had the offer there to play football, but did you have offers anywhere else, or was it just like Tech offered you so you were going to go there? Because I know usually Tech's an engineering school. So, yeah. So, you know, when you talk about colleges, in all honesty, I want I, I, I thought about going to Northern. Uh, Northern was closer to my house. But, uh, you know, my dad's like, you're not going to Northern. It'll be just like high school. You're not going there. And between Northern and Michigan Tech, I would have been a preferred walk on either way. So I wasn't getting any money at either place. Um, and when you grow up in a UP, you know, they a lot of people up there think that Michigan Tech is just such a great school educationally, um, which it is. Uh, my third option was Alma. I, I went and visited Alma. And if I could give you a quick story um, about Alma. So I go to Alma and uh, I thought about playing football there. I meet their head football coach. I think it was named Jim Cole, I could, if I remember at the time. And the relevance you'll find out at the end. So I'm in the locker room chatting with him. And either him or one of the players is like, you know, I had a, I had a mustache at the time. So you guys with facial hair. So I have a mustache and, and whoever the coach or the player goes, you realize that if you play here, you have to be clean shaven and their head coach had a mustache. And I'm thinking to myself, you're telling me I'm going to become a young adult. I am going to play under a guy who has a mustache. Who's telling me that I cannot. That was the main reason I didn't go to school. 
And I'm not lying to you. That's a that's a that's a precedent I could not live with. I could not deal with somebody who has facial hair telling me that I cannot. And plus, it was you know 11 hours or whatever away from where my parents were, so Tech was only two. That so when you entered college and went to Tech, did you fully plan on always becoming a teacher, or would you go entering? college what do you think you know that's a great question um i I tried to think back and reflect um on that and i honestly don't know i my mom my mom was a teacher so i grew up knowing what a teacher background was what the job entailed you know and obviously um i like math and i said you know what i'm going to get a chance to play football i'm going to study math and just kind of ended up that i love football so much that i had to get into some type of profession where i was still a part of football and what better way than teaching? And, and, and at Michigan Tech, what's different about tech than other schools is that your major is not education. My major is mathematics. So I took teaching classes as an elective class, just like my last couple years of school. So it's almost like an afterthought. So you have to get good at, at your subject matter, and it might be asked later. But, uh, you know, that, that kind of led me to down that road. And I, and I tried an accounting class. Um, and it just sitting there, sitting there looking at numbers all day, as much as I loved it, I got to talk to people. So I knew that I didn't want to be an accountant. I wanted to work in math and I really didn't know other things that involved that. So I said, all right, let's try it. So what you talked about schooling a little bit, how you, um, graduate with the mathematics and focused on that, but usually with teaching, how many years do you have to go to school before you get that graduation, before you get out? Uh, being a teacher? Yeah, is it just a standard four years or? Um, You know, I'll be honest, Will, you know, I I graduated 20-some years ago, and I know it's different. My wife, she went to Wayne State, and she had to teach, student teach for a full year. Um, When I was in college, we were on trimesters, and I had to student teach for one trimester, and that was it. So I graduated in four and a third of a year. So we just, so it's kind of changing, but yeah. when you went to school, it was kind of like a normal degree, a kind of a four-year with yeah. a student teaching opportunity. And you talk about uh, the student teaching. So is that basically the internship or like something that you do in order to get that next full-time job is that you have to do student teaching along the way? St- student teaching is part of your, your education. You, in order to be a teacher, you have to student teach. And honestly, I think now it's probably a full year. I don't know. I, I got away with yeah, it for that's... a third of a year just because I think Michigan Tech is new, was new to education. Maybe it's maybe you have to go longer now. I can't answer that. You probably should, to be honest with you. Um, but when I went, it was a third of a year. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it, it's gotta be longer. And and you know, when you talk about an internship. If you want, you want me to expand on that now or later? Please, yeah, yeah. What makes your resume when applying for a, when you applied for a job? What did you try to do to separate yourself from all the other teachers? Well, that's there. You want me to go to reflect back on student teaching or answer the question you just did there? Um, Two different I'd questions. Say, back on student teaching, and then we can. Yeah, maybe generally just kind of uh, you know experience experience based learning. All right. So the first thing with student teaching, what they'll do is they'll start you out with the, with uh, they match you up with the teacher. You kind of get the pick sometimes where you want to go. Um, and then you kind of just kind of watch other teachers teach. 
And then they, they get you started on a plan where then you start to learn how to lesson plan. Then you start to, to teach a lesson here and there. And then eventually at nearby the end of it, you are running a class. Okay. Here's the problem with that process. Okay. If you do it when I did, I came in halfway through the year. So the teacher I work with already had established discipline, had established, um, you know, all the criteria that was done in the first half of the year. Okay. So when you finally get your own classroom, it's a whole different animal. And we can, we, I guess we can go in that later if you want. But um, so that's, that's the first initial part of the student teaching process. And that's your intern, that's quote your internship. Now, when I went to Michigan Tech one summer, my senior year, I stayed up there and I was a camp counselor. They had, they had hockey camps. That's a big hockey school. And uh, so I was a camp counselor and I would have to drive kids to the, the sports facility and the, and the dorms and stuff like that. And I figured, you know, that would look good on a resume. Um, other than that, I didn't have a whole lot besides being a football player. You know, maybe they think I can also be a good coach and, and, you know, that would help with the teaching. That's kind of what my, that's really only my background that I had to become a teacher. So with saying that, um, would you say that the, for the most part for kids wanting to get into teaching and might be in high school, might be in college right now, trying to differentiate themselves, trying to take on leadership roles in whatever avenue, as you said, you were a camp counselor, but whatever avenue that these kids can find a leadership role, you think it'd be beneficial for them to take it to show that they could lead a group and then lead a classroom when they get the job. Yeah, because I mean, if, and that's hard to do, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, where, for example, if you student taught for a full year, um, what, and obviously that gets done in the summer, where are you going to find that opportunity before your interviews start in the summer? I don't know how that happens, you know, and that's, yeah, that's where, you know, my college experience where I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to stay up here. And, you know, I think I think one of my classes I had to tutor kids, too, which, you know, maybe that helps a little bit if you could do some tutoring, um, you know, those types of things. Other than that, I'm not sure where you really, quote, get that experience, you know, you know, in that role. That's a that's a tough question there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, it's kind of working off that point, you know, after, you know, when you're starting to look for that first job. And what were your expectations like going in and, uh, you know, were you right about those expectations? Were you wrong? And, you know, how has that changed over time? Well, I don't know if you want me to answer this part now, but I, but one of the things I really want to talk about here is the interview process. Yes, uh, please. I personally yeah. am not a good interviewer because, and why is that? Because I don't like talking about myself. And, um, it was one of those things where, you know, I couldn't get any interviews in the UP. So every every time I drove somewhere, it was like a four-hour drive downstate. So my first interview, I show up um, and just bombed it. You know, um, I really didn't I really didn't know what to expect. You know, you 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 come from college, you you got this big chest, and you think you're all great, and uh, everyone's just going to respect the fact that you got a degree from the great Michigan Tech University, and they don't care, man. <laughs> So you're in this interview and um, what I did, I, I didn't do well, but what I did after the interview is I wrote down every question that they asked that I could remember. And I took time to properly, how would I properly answer those questions? And then for me personally, I had to get used to talking about myself out loud. So for me, you know, I'd be driving from the UP to my next interview every hour I'd shut off the radio 
and I would recite the questions out loud and recite my answers. So I got used to hearing me talk about myself and, and being able to respond that way. Cause that, that really was tough for me. If I could uh, jump in real quick, go ahead. Um, I'm kind of experiencing the same thing right now. How you talk about talking about yourself yep. growing up, you always get told, don't talk about yourself. Cause then you're going to sound cocky and arrogant. Exactly. Yeah. But that's how I was difference, too. There's that difference. in when you're starting to interview, that you have to talk about yourself because if you don't say it, they won't know it. So you yep, have yeah. to sell yourself because you're selling yourself for them to hire you to take that job. So it's not arrogance. Agree. Yeah, it's not arrogance when you're talking and boosting yourself up for a job because if you don't say it, they don't know you and they won't know what you're all about. So right. Talking and, about and yourself and getting used to that's huge. It is, and, and defeat. I, I, you know, it sounds like I kind of grew up just like you did, Will. With um, you, you never do. You never talk about yourself. So I had to hear. I had to practice hearing myself out loud. And um, like I said, that wasn't easy. But I, you know, you practice. You're good at what you practice. So I continued to practice and practice and practice. The other thing I would, I would, I would recommend, you know, if you're going through to an interview process, is if you can talk to somebody who maybe has that, that job. Or somebody randomly that may interview that job and, and just try to get a hold of some of the questions ahead of time. Once once I had a good feel for for the majority of the questions they were going to ask me, I had a pretty good answer or or a thought process of how I was going to answer that. And again, that's just being prepared, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, those are two things that that were I really struggled with the interview process. And and to me. If you can't do well in the interview, you're not going to get hired because, again, well, they don't they don't know you. You you may have all yeah. these accolades and think you're the best in the world, but you have to, like you said, you have to sell yourself. You have to speak positive of yourself and be proud and and, and take some ownership of of that and and to get the job, you know. Exactly, exactly. So you kind of you got past that interview stage. You landed your first job at Croslax. Talk talk to us about that first few years in the classroom. Well, again, you know, a little cockiness came in here. I was living at home uh, with my parents in, in the great UP. And what happened was is, is I graduated. I, I finished student teaching in about February. So I started throwing out um, resumes, and, and I just sent resumes anywhere, you know, in the, in the, everywhere in the UP, any school that, that I thought I'd be interested in. in. In Minnesota, there were jobs. Downstate, there were jobs. And so – I just threw a bunch out, and, I, and then finally I started getting calls. And then midway, th and, and so this was about March. Croslex called, and they had a they had a job opening in math and science, which was my major and minor. So I went down, interviewed. They they asked me if I wanted the job. And again, I'm having the best time of my life hanging out with my parents. Finally, at an older age, I have the stress of college done, and I turned them down and I said no. And, and I thought about it. And it was probably cocky at the time, you know, who turns down on a full, your first full-time job. But I looked at it as I'm going to come into a school in March, mid-March or whatever, never having taught before. And I, and I thought I would have set myself up for failure. And I did not want my first experience teaching to be a job where I'm going to fail in, in March and April. And then, you know what, I may not ever want to come back. And so I actually turned the job down. Um, and later on, I heard the principal was pretty ticked off that I did, you know, that was a pretty arrogant move, <laughs> but it is what, you know, I, you know, coming from, coming from tech, you, you, you're told how great you are at Michigan tech. You know, my parents did anyway. So I felt, Hey, I'd get a job anywhere with math and science, but anyway, so 
I ended up re-interviewing in the summer, and then I finally did take the job. So it, it um, yeah. But when you when you ask what was the job like, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, as I said, my student teaching did not prepare me well enough because, you know, now I'm in a classroom by myself. You as you as, you, you as students understand that you have a rookie. There's blood in the water. And it was it was miserable. I had students, you know, I, I'm a, I took so many math classes. I don't even, I forgot more math than you than these kids will ever take. And they're questioning my teaching skills on basic mathematics. Hey, they're like, hey, can we go down the hall and ask this other teacher? I think you're doing this wrong. I'm like, what? I'm from Michigan Tech. You think that I'm doing it? <laughs> you are nuts. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I after that in, in a couple incidents like that, I walked through the hall. And I'm like, what other profession can I get into with this degree? Because this sucks. I want no part of this. I'm not gonna lie to you. It was, it was a rough go. The first month was a rough go. Um, I finally found my stride a little bit. And the conf- it's, you got to have confidence, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's tough when you're facing high school kids. And I was 23 at the time, teaching 18 year olds. So there wasn't a big age gap. Um, maybe they, I don't know what it was, but it was, it was a struggle, man. It was a struggle the first, the first year. And then after I got uh, my feet wet a little bit, I got better, but man, a tough go in the beginning, man. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine that, you know, the material itself isn't the hard part. I mean, you know, like you said, you know, you're a math major first, yep. um, uh, definitely the relationships that follow and, and kind of, you know, gaining that respect too. Just takes well, it's, it's one of those things, you know, you know, you guys have all been in school and, and you show up to class and what happens when the jerk throws a pencil or, or swears and, and does these things and you're and how do you respond being a first year teacher? You know, especially when I student taught in a middle school, again, where, where discipline was already established. I didn't deal with any of that, you know, so I didn't have to deal with any of that. And then now all of a sudden, holy cow, how do I discipline? What is your discipline plan? what how do I follow it you know and if I don't then it gets worse you know so it was it was it was a tough go in the beginning you know you, you got to get some years under you and experiences you know yeah. and we've, we've obviously come a long way too so you know now with virtual learning uh you know kind of how have you adjusted over the years have you, you know after you've established you know your discipline you know your respect and now you're kind of you know on autopilot if you will you know, I'll be honest, I, this is my, I think, 20th year teaching, and, uh, you know, I'm in a great, great position. I thought about this, and you you only have, you can really only have success if your administration backs you, and, and what I mean by that is this. So, if you have students that are, are disruptors in class and giving you trouble, I need to be able to be able to discipline them correctly and know that my administration is going to follow through and back me, and if you have that, you are going to have success. If you have parents supporting you, you're going to have success. And I'm in a, luckily enough that I've been in a community for, for the last 18 years. I think, what have I been here? Uh, 18. Yeah, I think I've been here 20 years, total of 23. And the community I'm in is just awesome. So that makes, that makes the discipline easy. And then with the discipline, then, then the learning will come. Yeah. And to, to pivot back to online learning, you know, what, is, oh, what have the challenges been? Yeah, and, right, and so, even some some successes, I feel like there's definitely some positives to take, too. Yeah, uh, when, when you talk about the online learning, and again, it's, you know, becoming a teacher 20-some years ago, I, I didn't sign up to talk to a computer screen. So, um, 
you know, that has been a real challenge for me with, you know, students showing up, you know, I mean, I'm going to be honest, guys, there's, there's students who lay in bed under the covers and I'm supposed to be teaching them. And I'm like, holy crap, man. I I don't know what's going on. This is, it's weird. First of all, it's weird. Okay. Second of all, I'm, I'm just, you know, you almost want people like that to not have their face on the screen. You want to tell them, just put the icon up and just let it roll. And, you know, the, the thing the thing about it is it's tough because I'm working my tail off. I'm making videos. I'm putting – I'm actually – I'm more organized because I have to be, right? But it's such a self-led – if I'm just talking geometry, it's such a self-led deal – that I don't know if kids are watching videos. I don't know if they're doing their own homework. I don't un- completely know if they're understanding how to do it. I don't know if they're taking their own quizzes. I don't know if they're cheating. Um, so all those things that you know you have control over in a classroom are out the window, man. And you don't know if kids have internet. You don't know. You, you don't know what's going on. So it's really. I'm not gonna lie to you. If you just as a teacher kind of let it go, and just say I can only do so much then it is what it is, but I just know these students are not learning to the level of where they should be. And if they're in my class, I can I can see that better. So the online portion, you know, it, it depends on where you're at as a teacher, you know, with, with how much control you're willing to let go. And you just have to say kids have to take ownership, man. But it's tough. It's tough. It's not easy. Coach, I just want to work back real quick. You were talking about um... – how you have to balance how you first come in and kids weren't really respecting you or kids don't really see you, um, how you want to be seen as a teacher. So could you just talk a little bit more about how you manage egos and how you like balance the relationship where you have a respect level and that they know they have to respect you, but they can also come to you. Cause I know coming into school from certain people, you would hear, Oh, you, you don't want to get coach Forgetto. Do not get coach Forgetto. He's going to push you and stuff like that. But I know you're pushing them so they can reach their full potential. You're not pushing them to be a jerk. You're pushing them. So, I mean, that could be hard for some kids to see, but just like talk a little bit about how you try to manage it all. Now, are you trying to say in the beginning or are you trying to say now as an established? Um, Well, just talk to me about the evolution of it, how you did it and what you learned worked and now how you do it now. Um, you know, I honestly can't remember a lot from that long ago, but I can honestly tell you I was probably a jerk. You know, I, I, I just, it was one of those things where, um, it, it, you know, my, my aunt was a student teacher and she said, don't smile till December. So <laughs> in, 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 in September, October, November, you get the meanest, meanest guy in the world. And, and, and I had to do it. And you have to do that to establish who you are, what you're going to be. You don't take crap. And I had to do that to set up a good learning environment because if you have a class where you don't have respect, where where kids just play around and screw around, then they're more worried about that and how you react, and they don't want to learn. So I'm sure there are some people I owe apologies to over the years, and, and it's one of those things that had to be done to get me to where I needed to be and they get my classes and students to a point that they had a great learning environment. And that was my goal. So, you know, when you talk about the evolution of that part in the beginning to where I'm at now, right now I have that relationship 
where I can almost ease off a little bit because they know I have certain expectations. Um, you know, when, when I teach, I expect you to take notes. I expect you to be polite, to be respectful. And if you're not, I'm, I just don't deal with you. It's one of those things where, you know, we, we have great uh, leadership. Parents are very, very supportive. And so that gives me an opportunity to flat out teach and get people to do the right thing. And, but you know, it's also, I, I think I'm to the point of my career where I can ease up, like, like you said, and students can understand, I'm going to help you. I'm here to help you, but you're going to do it in a manner that everybody's going to feel comfortable asking questions and answering questions. But that's taken a long way to go, man. That, that's, that's 20 years of teaching, 20 years of experiences. Um, and, and I want to, I want to give you one that I probably could have got fired over. I was, I was teaching in, in, in Marine city. Um, and, and, uh, one kid drops a pencil and, and he's walking around and he drops his drawers and moons the entire class. And it was one of those things where, Oh, I lost it, man. And so, and, and I still remember, I'm not going to tell you the kid's name, but I still remember the kid's name. And, and so, uh, we, I'm like, we're going to the office now. And if he, and, and I was walking so fast and, and this is when I was across from Shagney's room. So it was a long walk. So if he would have been walking in front of me, I probably would have slugged him and we would, I would have got fired. So luckily he, he hit his head in shame and walked behind me. Otherwise I honestly probably would have got fired. Cause I, I would, I was livid. I'm like, cause I, that's my class. That's my students. They're my responsibility and you yeah. have enough guts and, and stupidity that that's that's what you do in my class that's not learning so, so go ahead no i was just gonna say for those of you that don't know who are listening to this that don't know where shagney's at just imagine it is across the whole school we don't have a huge school it's the farthest it's, point it's yep. the, the farthest two farthest points in the school that you can possibly yeah. be so right so well so and and like you said there. you know having administration on your back is so important like that i mean whether it's a good cop, bad cop, or even a bad cop, bad cop scenario, because I can't imagine that trip to the office went well. I mean, well, I feel like know, some all students the, were just I more wanted the kid, I wanted, I wanted him out of my room, and I, I need, and and to make sure that discipline was enforced. You know, so um, one bad move on my part. You guys may appreciate this. Some other, some other hot rodder shows up with an Algonac jersey on the the the, the same week we're playing Algonac. I kicked him out of class. <laughs> So the administrator says you can't you can't send the kid to the office for wearing a jersey. I said he was disrupting my team. I couldn't focus on anything else. So that's kind of you, you, you gotta you gotta pick battles you're gonna win. And that one I, I really probably shouldn't have done, and I really didn't really win. But you gotta pick battles. So uh, you yeah. like I said, 20 years, man, a lot of experiences. But um, so I want to go back how you were saying how you started out. So you. If, if you were to give advice to someone going into student teaching right now and how you started out, don't smile till December. Yep. Is that something you stick with? Any, like, 100%. 100%. Day, and, and, and the reason I say that, and it's not to be a jerk, it's to be – because here's, here's the deal, folks. If you start off as a nice guy and, and you start off the year loosey-goosey, what in the world do you think is going to happen in December – when you have a loosey-goosey class, and now all of a sudden you've lost control of that class, how are you going to gain that back when you haven't established discipline in the beginning of the year? So if anybody out there becoming a teacher, 
And there's different ways to go about it. And it's not necessarily you don't smile, but it's you, any little thing that 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 is wrong with the class, by students' behaviors, the work that they show, the respect that they give or don't give, you need to hit it immediately, immediately. Because again, people are going to build and feed off of that and they're going to push and keep pushing. And if you continue to push back, Usually by about December, they're like, okay, we know where this guy's at. And then you can start to ease up a little bit. But it's a lot easier to go hard in the beginning and ease up than to try to go the opposite. Yeah. And, and you sure. figure with, with culture, it's so much of what happened first. You know, the whole primacy effect. You know, if, if the uh, precedent is that we're going to be focused, we're going to be learning, we're not going to be messing around, then as you ease up, you can get to a more, you know, like yep. normal area. But you start on the opposite end of the spectrum, you're not going to be able to work backwards. 100%. Yeah. So, Coach, uh, could you talk a little bit about um, – so you talked about how administration's backing you. So could you talk – you've had quite a few print, different principals and um, assistant principals and um, what are they called? Um, head head people, the, the superintendents. Okay. So you've had yeah. quite a few of all of them. So could you talk about um, what it's like when you get a new principal and assistant principal and – all that well you know that's 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 a good one too you know you always worry about what kind of expectations they're going to have um and and you got to kind of see how they're they want to run their show let's let's if i talk about principles mainly because those are the ones those are the ones that that mainly affect me the superintendents really don't affect teachers a whole lot um, you know, they, they're, they're not directly affecting me a lot. So I, I don't feel I was that affected by our superintendents, but, um, the principals directly affect the things that I do, how I do it. And, you know, when they come in and they establish different rules and procedures and things like that, then, then yeah, it changes. But being a professional and being the type of person I was, I knew I was going to go a hundred percent and do my best all the time. And any principal that came in always respected that. They knew I worked hard. Uh, they know that I incur almost more than encourage. I almost force learning, as one one assistant principal told me, <laughs> that I force the learning. And and it is what it is. I, I I have certain expectations in a classroom, and if you uphold that high level, then it doesn't matter who comes in because they know you. They 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 observe your class. They respect what you do. They see the outcomes of it. And so every principal that I've had has respected what I've done and, and they've let me do what I've needed to do because I'm successful at it. So, but again, like the, those are established things, you know, that, that you, that you've done, you know, and, you know, and, and say what you want about unions. And I don't know if, if you want any part of that, but I will say this, I, I, I had a principal at Croslex, the one guy who was upset when I didn't take the first job offer. And then I did. So then he was my principal for three years. I moved to Marine City. He follows me there about five years ago. So he was my principal again. So he comes down to Marine City day one in his staff meeting says, you will not wear blue jeans on Friday. He was he was one of those dress for success guys, right? And and, okay. and to me as a student, do you care if I wear blue jeans or khakis? I'm still going to teach the same way, right? Not a big yeah. deal. Yep. So he comes in day one and says, you guys are not wearing blue jeans. It's not professional. Our union got after him so quick that by the end of the day, we could wear blue jeans. 
So um, <laughs> you're, if you have a strong union and support, they also are a big influence. And I know not many schools have a strong union. And I know some people, some people don't respect unions. And, and, and I know there's good and bad in all of them, but I've had, and that was part of the reason I left Croslex. Their union was not strong, not supportive of anything. And um, I mean, you, you to take a sick day at Croslex, you had to you had to uh, you had to lie, you had to lie and say I'm you know I'm not feeling good to, to take a day off. That was crazy. But anyways, yeah. that's a different issue. But <laughs> I've got yeah, a I've got a that. question too that yeah. I'm surprised I haven't asked the teacher yet. You know, in all the years of schooling. Who kind of dictates your curriculum and, you know, what kind of freedom do you have and have you got more freedom as you go? That's a that's a heck of a question there, Al. And, you know, I honestly don't necessarily know who sets that. Um, that's a really good question. We have a curriculum director at central office mm-hmm. and I don't know if we all sit down. I know we I know we have. We sit down and collaborate. And, you know, we set up uh, again, I'm teaching for math because that's that's the main that's the main subject yeah. I teach. But, um, you know, we sit down as a staff teachers with the curriculum director and we there are a set of high school. Um, gosh, I don't standards, I think I want to call it. So there there's a set of, of high school standards that are universal throughout the U.S., I'm assuming that we follow. And we find we we go through our textbooks and we have to make sure that we hit all of those standards. And then as teachers, we break down into sections and chapters of what we think is going to get us to hit all of those standards. That That's that's the best yeah. answer I can give you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, I mean, they, they set up you just got to hit the main points and then kind of in between you can use your. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I mean, you know, there's certain, like I said, I think there's, there's high school standards that are out there that, yeah. that we have to follow yeah. and, and, you know, but, but we do, we do it right. We collaborate, you know, the big thing that I've learned over the years is collaboration, put everybody together in a room and that's going to help you to be a part of the say, you know, if you're not a part yeah. of the say of what happens and when and how, and, and you don't have a voice, it makes it tough sometimes when you don't have a voice. So it's, it's good to have a voice and be a part of it. So I also want to talk about how you talk about you mainly teach math, but I want to talk about a little bit about what you get taught. So, or what you get placed in. Cause I know you were a biology teacher and you really didn't look like you liked teaching that at all, no. but you had to teach it. So like kind of talk about how, um, how you got put into biology or why. Right. So that, that's a great question, you know, for future teachers, you know, and I assume that's who's watching this is really think about what kind of major and minor you want to go into. So let me give you a, let me give you my uh, probably not very political answer. So I go to Michigan Tech and I and I, I love math. So I'm like, OK, I'm going to major in math. So I go to the education department. I said, what's the lowest minor I can take? And they go general science. I'm like, what? They didn't even offer like PE, right? I'm like, okay, I can take back the PE and I'll be okay. Nope. So I ended up with a general science minor. I had to take a bunch of science classes. And, you know, it's not my cup of tea. Science just wasn't my, you know, it was okay. But I know, and, and and this also goes back to when you first get established. In math, it's black and white, right? I either have an answer right or an answer wrong, correct? 
Yep. When you're teaching science, you can argue until your face is blue and I could be right and you could be wrong or you could be right and I could be wrong. And that's part of, of where my discipline issues probably came in because it's an argumentative thing. You know, science is an evolutionary process where some people believe stuff, some don't, and, and a lot of answers can be right. So I struggled with science. So science was my minor. And... At Cross Lex, they had a class that was an integrated math science. So half the year was math and the other half the year was science. So I fit perfectly into that for them. But in my mind, as I continued to be there, I started to look to see at the age of the math teachers. And if I wanted to become a full-time math teacher, how many teach math teachers had to retire before I could move into one of those slots? Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So, and, 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 it wasn't going to be for a long time. And so the football program started to go downhill and um, the education part, I didn't see my way out of very, very quickly. So I go to, I go to Marine city. So in going to Marine city, again, I still got stuck teaching science, but I think I saw, you know, I saw the football program as a light at the end of the tunnel. And I like the area and everything else worked out. And again, it just, Certain teachers had to retire and retire and retire before eventually I became math. And even though I was still doing some science, what happens is, 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 you know, eventually, um, how do you get into what you want? You have conversations with principals. And I kept saying, I want math only. And, and in fact, I can tell you one of our teachers after she became a math teacher, she eventually removed her minor which was science, so she could no longer teach it. <laughs> Seriously, she did. Wow, so, wow. Miss McNamee, so I don't know if I'm allowed to say names, but I did. But she, she, eventually, she finally, after like 15 years of teaching, said, eliminated her minor, got it taken off of her certificate, so she could not teach it, so she could only teach math. Now, that's an extreme, but she did not want to teach science. So I kind of saw, I kind of felt the same way, and when this engineering, I could see the engineering coming down the pipeline, I said, why not? It can't be any as worse as sciences in my mind. Sometimes I struggled with the science. So I said, I might as well try engineering. And it yes. turned out to be a production. So. so to that point, how you said you've seen engineering coming down the pipeline, what do you see as some like emerging study fields coming out right now? Like we talk about STEM, engineering, Wood shops obviously fallen by the wayside, but was something that came up in the past. So, like, what what do you see some emerging fields of study coming out? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm talk? I'm not as versed in that, but I, I I for sure see the STEM, you know, the the computer programming. Those are two of the things that I would I would say are kind of the hot issues, uh, hot topics. But again, I, I I don't know. That's something that um. You know, people who are in college right now would probably, you know, be be learning more about those types of things than I would um, because I'm kind of locked in where I'm at. But, um, yeah. you know, math is always going to be there. Uh, but if you're yeah. talking about emerging stuff, I like I said, I know STEM is a real hot deal and, and, and those types of things. And I, I really think computer programming, you know, I don't know if gaming is ever going to be something. I know our, our, our middle school teaches a gaming class and you know, maybe writing writing those types of programs or building those games that I'm sure that's something that yeah. you know that you can do out there. So, 
Yeah. I've, yeah, I've read yeah. articles. I've read articles that said instead of teaching English, we should teach programming. <laughs> so I was, I was going to say, I mean, coding it. Right. You could make an argument. That's a, that's a, a language. language. Yeah. Correct. Language. Yeah. So I mean, I've heard that's I, that's not going to happen, but I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. Could, could, first... Let me tell you, I mean, you guys went to this school. You're from this area. What what would you use more, Spanish or, or a computer programming class? Well, we can let Logan talk about that. I mean, personally, I'd probably use the computer programming. When I went to Alma, I was originally going to be a computer science major, and there was a specific class where you have to learn how to speak binary. So ones and zeros, you had yep. to learn how to actually speak that and know what that means. So, yeah, definitely uh, computer programming, which should definitely be looked at a language. Right. I mean, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, with, you know, by, by not saying we need Spanish or French or things like that, but... You know, I don't know how many people use that, and with apps nowadays, can't you can't you just wing it anyways? And I mean, <laughs> learn, learn how to write the app, maybe a better deal, right? I mean, yeah, if yeah. I can write the app, then yeah. I can make money off of it, right? I mean, I don't know. Part of it's just knowing yourself. It's like you know, what what situations are you going to be in in your future? Like, do like, you plan? You know, you can kind of well, go based off of that. But, but with that also, Al, you have to be marketable. Yeah. Um. You know, you have to. If I would have came in with with a math and a PE, I'm not as marketable. And, and you know, as much as maybe I didn't like the science, and probably half of my career so far I had to teach it, I would not have gotten a job as easily yeah. with it. I think. And so, and and that's one of the things you have to look at. You know, in your first few years of a job, you may do stuff you don't like, but you still excel at it because it's a stepping stone. We talk about coaching. And obviously, that's one of the biggest reasons you picked to be a teacher. But uh, could you just give everyone some benefits to teaching? Like, what are the real positives about being a teacher? Is it being with the kids? Is it coaching? Is it mentoring kids, helping them through a difficult time? Because we know high school, kids are really finding out who they are and what they want to be. So could you just give us some benefits about uh, teaching and what it's meant to you? The first benefit is you feel young because you work with the same age kids all the time. <laughs> oh, that's always good keeps yeah. the hair dark keeps you young man i, I get yeah. some rays but it keep it <laughs> makes you feel young because all the people you see are always the same age right they're always the same and and nobody gets old but me but anyways no it's you know and i reflect back to you know i don't know if you asked about why i went into this profession but when i was in high school we had a study hall and and i was really good at math and there were some younger students around me so i Early on in, in my mathematical career, I, f I would help kids do math because I was in a higher math. And, and it just, I was like, I taught them, I taught them and showed them how to do something. And I'm like, holy crap, that's pretty cool. They solved the problem with my knowledge and help. And now they know how to do this on their own. So that actually started when I was in high school. Um, okay. But the thing, but that, and that still comes, that still reigns true today, you know, and it's, and it's, it's just like that with anything. If you help somebody out and you see that the light bulb comes on or you see that they start to get engaged and you start to see that you can make things easier for them and you can kind of guide and lead them, uh, then yeah, that's, that's definitely benefits. You know, it, it's tough. It's, what's tough is, is sometimes you don't want to get involved with, uh, personal life and things like that. And really I don't, but I, but I am kind of a rock. I hope that they understand when they come to my class that you're going to get a teacher that cares about education, that I care that they learn, that I care that they put forth the time and effort. 
and you know I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to help them to be successful in, in a classroom. And I think the classroom helps with the management of maybe other things in their life. And, and, and that, those are some of the benefits that I see. And, you know, yeah, I've, I've occasionally helped a student who, who's maybe having a tough time at home and, and try to get through a few of those things. But what I like to instill is, is the structure part. And I hope that with the students that leave me, they at least understand the expectations that if you work hard, you put forth time and effort, you're going to get results at the end and, and, and try to be structured Try to be a little bit more organized to help yourself out, and those things are going to guide you through life. That those are kind of the things that I see uh, with teaching. Yeah, yeah and um, so talk about coaching though a little bit. Talk about why being a teacher is beneficial to being a coach at the same time at a certain school. Yeah, I, I mean I've I've always taught, uh, coached, and taught at the same school. And I know I know I've, a lot of other coaches have have not been able to, or or some of them work and 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 coach off of that but when you talk about building relationships and you know you talk about you know for example getting kids out on teams it's a whole lot easier when you see them every day in the hallway you see them in a classroom and you just have conversations to spark interest and and you know you can tell right away if students don't want to be a part of sports and they don't want to be in activities and then you you still care about them and you still work with them um, but that's where you kind of get that interest level and they say, hey, this guy works hard in the classroom. I, I think I'd like to I'd like to uh, learn from him on, on, a, on a different level with with athletics. And, and maybe I'm interested in trying sports. And, you know, those are great avenues, you know, to help students, you know, to succeed in school, because when you're in sports, I think you focus a little bit more on the school and, and definitely building those relationships where. You know, we're, we're at practice for a couple hours together, and then the next day we're in class, you know, just, just chatting about things, and, and you have, you know, more, more, more conversations and things to talk about, and just an, another way to continue to get to know kids a little bit better and, you know, build some of those yeah. relationships with them and, and things like that, so. Yeah, and, and you said, you know, you get a lot of gratification out of, you know, giving kids those light bulb moments. Uh, it's got to be nice, too, to see kind of their growth over their four years in high school or, you know, however long you know them. But, you know, what would you say maybe are some of the drawbacks to, to teaching? Um, you know, maybe, you know, is it repetitive? You know, sometimes I know dealing with parents sucks. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, I, I tried thinking about this, and, and, and I'll be honest, I don't have a ton. And, and a lot of that is because of the great support of the administration. The hardest part is, is when the students don't respect um, that, that you're just trying to do a job, you know, and, and you're just trying to keep the school organized. You're just trying to, to um, keep, keep a respectful environment where everybody feels safe to learn. And, and, and when they don't follow that really process, that is where I struggle the most. You know, I, I don't mind teaching a class a couple times, I've never had the opportunity or maybe a curse of teaching the same class five times in a row. That might be challenging. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I think I've done three in a row and sometimes I forget where I was or I might have forgot to teach something <laughs> to one class that I taught to another. I can honestly pretty sure I remember that. But that, I mean, but it's not it's not like I don't like it. I still like doing it. I just wish my mind yeah. was better to, to keep me going. But you know, I've had such great administration, students and parents, 
um, that I, I honestly, there's not, you know, there's, there's some of the, um, more paperwork stuff. And, and, and I guess the, the other part is jumping through hoops and doing things for administrators that I don't think help kids. You know, if you're asking me to do uh, lesson plans or you're asking me to do, and, and I do certain lesson plans, but not as in detail as maybe they want. And to jump through hoops that some of these politicians make us do because whatever, they don't trust our, whatever, our profession. I don't know, but those are come, some of the things that, that can get annoying when you have to have meetings and do paperwork and things that really don't directly affect how I teach and the learning when I could be putting more time to being prepared to help out students. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of teachers, I'm sure Will and Logan can attest to this too, that will complain, you know, that's like, Oh, you know, I don't get paid enough for teaching and, you know, don't be a teacher cause you're not going to get paid. Right. Um, you know, how do you, how do you feel about that? I know you mentioned, you know, coaching, I'm sure that helps a little bit, but I feel like maybe just having something on the side too, you know, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, and I, I, you know, this is the only real profession I've been in, but, but I think pretty much with anywhere, the, and I tell my students this all the time, you guys may have heard it, but find something you love and eventually the money will get there because you're going to get good enough at it. So if you're talking financially, what, what a teacher makes, they probably start around mid thirties, 30,000 a year and, and all scales are different and jumps are different. And, um, but I love what I do. And, you know, eventually by the time you get to the top of the scale, you're making a pretty good wage. And you got to think as a teacher, you have weekends off, holidays off, summers off. And if you really needed to find additional work and, and summer and summer jobs and things like that, you can do that. Um, the, 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 if you really want to talk about a major drawback is I could be the best teacher in the world and you could be the worst teacher in the world and we both get paid the same. Yeah, I could have, I could, see score, yeah. I could have students that have the highest test scores. Yours could have the lowest and we get, and, and you actually could make way more than me. But on the flip side, on the flip side, if you ever went to, and it's been talked about where teachers would get paid based off of how students perform, that to me is not a good deal because yeah. the, col the collaboration we have right now is awesome. Like all the, all the geometry teachers collaborate. We work together. We share quizzes. We share tasks. We share notes. Where if we're now cutthroat where you, you could get paid more than me, I ain't sharing anything with you. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, you're looking at it with some of the kids. They're going to be like, well, I hate this teacher. If I yep. do bad, he does bad. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't really go to that. That's for sure. And not yeah, saying so, means that there's a teacher there that was making probably the same you did, and all we do is watch movies. So <laughs> probably, <laughs> not much learning going on there. Did we lose Will? Did we lose? But she uh, yeah. actually, they probably made more because they were there longer than me. But <laughs> but no, when you talk about when you talk about um, you know financially alex i mean there's there's opportunities there you know you can get yeah. your master's degree you can get your master's plus 30 and i know it's more work but then it's more pay um but again if if you really need to find something you know you can find something in the summer you can find summer jobs if you had to find a weekend job coaching obviously when you get into coaching you get paid more uh let me let me give you one story my first year teaching so uh, growing up in the great UP, a lot of my buddies worked at the local IGA. 
So they all worked well, at a grocery store. Coach, they coach, had coach, fun, coach. and I was like, man, I, I worked on a golf course. So I'm like, these guys are having a blast. And so my first year teaching, I'm at I'm at Croslex, so I'm teaching. And a buddy of mine, his wife was a manager at the IGA, so she needed help. And I said, all right, I'll help you out. So I would help out at the IGA, and I didn't understand what was what what went involved with it. So on on one day a week, we had to stock shelves. So 4:30 in the morning on a Tuesday, I have to go to the IGA and stock shelves with a student who is telling me how to stock shelves. <laughs> After the three hours of stocking shelves, we now go to the high school and I teach him how to do math problems. It was nuts. So I did that for one year and I said, I'm not doing it anymore. Done. I said, I, I, even though I wasn't making, I was, you know, $30,000 is, is a lot of money for a single guy, but um, uh, I wanted to try the IGA, and mainly I did it because of my buddies uh, from from high school. But but I mean, there's ways to find other jobs to enhance your financial, and and, and like I said, you can find summer work. And but uh, I'm at a point where I'm at the top of the scale, and I'm doing real well. I'm supporting a family, so like I said, you find something you're good at, and and it'll and, and you'll get there. And I agree with that with any profession you're in. And 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 if I'm wrong, then then I'm gonna. Please somebody tell me in other professions and let me know. But I think, I think if you love what you do, you're going to excel. You're going to put forth the time and effort and you're just going to be awesome. And you're going to find the rewards at the end yeah. or in the middle. I don't mean end, but I mean, you know, as you go through. Yeah. Yeah. And to add to that, a lot of people always just go, I'm going to go to the major that makes me the most money. Right. But going through that process of going to an eight, nine hour work day, putting yourself through it five six days a week that's and hating it wait and hating every hating second of every it. second of it it's yeah. you might Not make more it. money but what are you going to do with that money you you hate what you do and all you right. do is think about how much you hate going to that job right. so when you get off that job all you're thinking about is oh i cannot i don't want to go back to work so that time yep. that you're off you're just thinking about having to go back to work right so yeah. not making as much money and loving what you do is more valuable you can't put a price on happiness I mean, it's cliche but it's true you got it is true and, and the thing is i mean if if people want to become teachers there's going to be a shortage real quick here man because we our profession has been talked about so negatively and it hasn't been you know upheld to to maybe the standards that that people and keep us in the eye that they think we that, that we should that we deserve and and you know jobs will be opening but but I truly believe find what you love to do. I truly I'll live by that, man. So you like you do. just brought it up, uh, I was supposed to talk about it a little earlier, but um, so the job outlook you were saying there's going to be a shortage. Yeah. So you think there's going to be plenty of openings for all of these people that want to be teachers in the next five, ten years? Not plenty oh, of yeah, openings, I, but yeah, I I you know from everything I'm seeing, there's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 46, so. In the next 10 years, I can tell you there's going to be a lot of people retiring, and 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 I you know I don't do the research, but I hear hear through the grapevine that there's just not enough people that have, are in education in the field anymore uh, to be able to fill those jobs. I mean, you even see it right now with subbing. You know, we can't get subs, and, and I mean, no offense, but you can go you can go to a fast food place, make 12 to 15 bucks an hour, um, and with with zero education and, and so what's the benefit of going to work at the high school for, for 80 bucks a day? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, just for everyone listening, that was not to discourage teachers. He's just saying why there's a shortage of teachers. What you should be looking for is there is that shortage. And teachers provide, as he said, way more benefits as drawbacks. So just put the work in if you love it. And it's all going to come for a circle and it will repay you fully. We're going to end the show just how we end every show and talk about our quick hitters. Just three questions that we're going to ask every guest and you just respond. There is no, you cannot say I don't have an answer. You have to provide an answer. So, uh, oh boy. question one is what was your dream job as a kid? Like when you first were growing up, what did you truly want to be? Uh, I probably wanted to play in the NFL. You know, if I was to be honest, I love football. Um, I love I love the sport even before I really had a chance to play at a uh, an organized level. Uh, so I guess I would assume my dream was to to play in the NFL. If you could have one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Now to qualify this a little bit, it could be um, like a steak. Like my answer would just be steak. Well, sometimes. I mean, I got a few. But if you like <laughs> if you like your mom's spaghetti and you want only your mom's spaghetti every time for the rest of your life. So it could be a parent meal made specifically for that or just an overall meal. What would it be for the rest of your life? Um, you know, I, I like any of the seafood from Red Lobster. So, you know, something like uh, a lobster, a shrimp scampi. Yeah. But, man, if I don't have a dessert, then it, then then nothing counts, man. So we're talking you know, about like cheese just part of the meal. Like, no, something, never. Something like you can't put cake. cheese in a dessert. But, um, you know, something like a, a cherry, cherry, or, cherry or apple crisp. Now we're talking. Now okay. we're talking. That's that's where we go. To finish it up here, the last question. If you're stuck on a desert island with one person for the rest of your life, who's it going to be? That's a tough one. My whole family. All no, four. Not not acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> you smuggled them on. Not acceptable. It has to be like a celebrity. What's that? Among those, a celebrity or something. Like I don't like, care about celebrities. I those those people don't those people don't excite me. They're not real. All right, then we're gonna. I'd rather spend family, time with. There we go. Solitude. He's right. a solitude. You, you can spend time with the blue sled. We'll take the blue sled and put it on the island for you. Yeah, that'd get, that'd get old, buddy. <laughs> for those that don't know, blue sled, just this thing in football, it's just these dummies on a metal, um, what'd you call it, metal slab, and you just hit, yeah. the, hit the dummies low and drive them down the field for hundreds of Wide yards. Wide your feet. Coach Forgetto. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, Coach, thank you very Love much. It. Uh, it was a great opportunity to hear from you. Um, we're going to stay on and talk for a little bit after this, but thank you very much for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you for everyone listening. We appreciate it. And for Will, Al, and Logan, we're going to be signing off. Thank you, and we'll catch you again next week.